mind. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. Open up the YouVersion Bible app and use that. Uh, if you open that up and go to the events tab, you'll find a center point event where you can find the, the built-in bulletin, but a place to take notes and follow along in some of the scriptures. You know, I think it's easy for us to look back at 2020, and it's easy to look back and see the negatives. It's easy to look back and see the challenges. I want to look back with you for a moment and see some highlights of first-place finishers, probably some that we kind of even forgot about um, because of COVID and all that was taking place. Actually, I'm going to start in 2019 because last year we didn't have a NCA championship for women or men because of COVID, and now we're all back in the saddle of basketball season. And I just kind of wonder, who remembers the women's NCA champion of 2019? Anybody sports nuts in here can remember that? I had, I had a, what? Oh, good guess. They could have been because they're usually towards the top. But that year it was Baylor University. The Baylor women won the championship. They were in first place. Who remembers who won the men's championship in 2019? Virginia. There you go. There's, a, there's someone who's watching a lot of ESPN back there. So, yeah, Virginia won it. In 2020, there was only one championship golf uh, a match, I, I, I believe, PGA champion, Colin Markowa if I'm saying his name right. And I love that picture of his excitement of winning his first uh, golf championship. Or the NCAA football champions were the LSU Tigers for 2020. And this year, you know, we don't even know where they're at. Don't even know if they still exist. Uh, the WNBA, the women's NBA, who was in first place? The Seattle Storm. You know, y'all, y'all are not checking all this stuff out and following all this? I mean, like, I don't even care. Uh, the NFL, it was the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl last year. Just before COVID break out, my prediction, they're going to win it again this year. Now, I may be wrong, but, you know, they're, they're pretty tough. Major League Baseball, Los Angeles Dodgers took it all. And in the NBA, the Los Angeles Lakers took it all. All these teams were in first place. Now, some of you are like, Brian, I could care less about sports. Why are we highlighting? So let's just step out of sports for a moment and consider the business world. Just a couple of things that were interesting to me as I look this up. You know where the number one state is that is most friendly to businesses? What would you guess is the number one state most friendly to businesses? Texas, someone said, no, can hear it. North North Carolina, who said that? Oh, you're looking at my notes. He's back there in the back cheating. Um, he's trying to act like he's all smart. And out of our Fortune 500 companies, number one is Walmart. Yeah, because we talked about it yesterday. These cheaters around here. My kids are talking about my notes. So, yes, Walmart was number one. Now, it's interesting to me sometimes to look back at the sports world and consider you know, who are the champions? Think about things of first place in sports or business or maybe other areas of interest for some that may be, well, who's ranked number one in my class or where did I rank in my class? Was I number one? But that's not what I want to talk about with you today. I, I want to ask you, who's really first in your life? I want us to start this year thinking about that question, who's really first, and spend Four weeks just really diving in about who's first before we jump back into the book of Romans in February, where we were kind of last year. We're going to dive through that great letter. 
See, a lot of people will tell you Jesus is first in their lives, but they live in their own little me-first world. You got to stop and evaluate that. I'm going to challenge you today to stop and think, am I really living a life where Jesus is first or am I first? Like the three people that I want us to meet in our text this morning, each of these people would have told you, yeah, Jesus is first in their lives. The first person told Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And the next two said, Jesus, you're Lord. Look at verse 57 of chapter 9. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in a kingdom of God. A lot of people will tell you Jesus is first in their lives, but they live in their own little me-first world. I want you to notice three things about these men in the text. The first guy was interested in personal comfort. See, what happens just before this in a previous passage is Jesus was denied lodging in a Samaritan village. And I'm sure the guy's like, where are we going to sleep? What's going on? Jesus, wait a minute. We have nowhere to go. What are we going to do? And Jesus is like, listen, you follow me. There's no perks. There's no privileges. There's no posh accommodations. There's nothing. And the guy walks away and says, don't know if I want to go on that journey. Second guy was more interested in personal fortune. See, the Jews didn't embalm. So their custom was when someone died, they buried them immediately. Because if they didn't do that, what happens? The body stinketh a whole bunch of. And so they would dig a big old hole and they would bury that person. He's like, no, let me go back and bury my dad. In other words, the guy lies to Jesus. He hasn't died yet because he wanted to go there and wait because when my dad does die, he's probably sick and close to death. I want some of the inheritance. I need some moolah, money. So that's what he was focused on. And then, Jesus, I'll catch up to you after I go and bury my father, who's not dead yet. And the third guy was interested in personal relationships. He wanted to go home. Oh, Jesus, let me go home one more time. Let me go back and say goodbye to everybody. You know what happens when you go back and say goodbye? They get home-cooked meal. They get some nice bread and some baked goods. They get a comfortable bed. It's all good. I kind of like this. This is more comfortable than going following this guy who there's nowhere to lay my head and there's nowhere to sleep. I'm not sure where tomorrow takes me. One reason I'm excited that Luke's still going because he could have easily said, I'm done. I'm staying home. This is kind of comfortable. You notice all three of these men called Jesus Lord. And all three of them give the, uh, the impression that he is Lord. They essentially said, Lord, I will follow you, but the ESV, the English Standard Version, says they called Jesus Lord, and they said, but me first. Lord, I will follow you, but me first go and bury my father. Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go home one last time and say goodbye to my family. And the text literally says, me first go do this. Jesus, you're second. How can you call Jesus Lord and then say me first? You can't. You can't say you're Lord, which means he's the Lord, he's the leader of your life, means he is in charge. We cannot say you are Lord. But 
let me go do what I want to do first. Jesus must not be one of our priorities. He must be our number one priority. You all allowed to say amen every now and then. He desires to be your number one priority. 2021. We're turning a corner from 2020, and there's been a lot of distractions to keep us from having Jesus be the number one priority. In verse 62, Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. He didn't tell tell that to the other two guys because they were already gone. They already took off. See, a lot of people will tell you that Jesus is first in their lives, but they live in their own little me-first world. And all of us in this room can be guilty of sliding into that me-first world. See, in other words, they try to do both. They try to call Jesus Lord while they also live in a me-first world. Lord, you are my Lord, but also I have all the stuff that I want to do. It won't work that way. Never has worked, and it never will work. John Maxwell, in his book, Developing the Leader Within You, tells a story about animal trainers, how they carry a stool when they go into a cage of lions. Here's what John writes. They have their whips, of course, and their pistols are at their sides, but invariably they also carry a stool. William Henson says it is the most important tool of the trainer. He holds the stool by the back and thrusts the legs forward uh, toward, the, toward the face of the wild animal. Those who know maintain that the animal tries to focus on all four legs at once. And the attempt to focus on all four, a kind of paralysis overwhelms the animal and it becomes tame, weak, and disabled because its attention is fragmented. I've always wondered why they carried the stool. You may not know this. You and I were created to be single-minded people. Now, some of you all consider yourself great multitaskers. You're not. You're lying. You're not lying. You are like a lion. You know what I'm saying? You're looking at all the tasks, and you're confused, and you're paralyzed. And, and I get that way. Too many tasks, and I just stop. I'm paralyzed. I can't do anything else. Do you know what the Bible says about single-mindedness? James 1.8 says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Ephesians 4 says there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Just one. That's the term of single-mindedness. Exodus 20 says you shall have no other gods before me. That's just one God. Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You and I were created to be single-minded, not double-minded. Not triple-minded, not quadruple-minded. That's what not we were created for. There's only one Lord. And there should be no other gods before the one Lord. We are to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and everything else then falls into place. See, here's the problem. A lot of people tell you Jesus is first, but live in their own little me-first world. How are we doing with that as we look at the year 2021 coming down the road? In Jesus' great sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? 
Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, listen, you put me first. You build your life on a firm foundation on me as, as Jesus, as the rock. Because a me first is like building a life on a, on a sandy beach without a foundation. Very shifty. It'll, it'll be destroyed in the storm. See, we're not the first ones to battle this, though. By no means are we the first one. And it is a battle. We're going to talk about that here in just a second. The Apostle Paul understood the battle. In Romans chapter 7, Paul says, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law, that is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but it's sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. This is known as the great doo-doo passage. And I'm amazed that I've made it through without tripping over the eyes and the do's. What's Paul saying? Paul says, I think all the right things. Jesus is my Lord. I say all the right things that Jesus is my Lord. But then I walk out the door and I do all the wrong things. In my inner soul, I'm like, I love the Lord. I go to church. I sing these songs and tell him I love him. And then I go to work tomorrow. But I don't do what I want to do. And he says, my only hope is putting Jesus first. And Paul's like, this is a battle. This is not easy. And he says, why is it not easy? It's because we have enemies. Has anybody in this room here ever had a legitimate enemy in your life? I'm the only one. How many people have had at least three legitimate enemies? You're like, yeah, I know some people kind of hated me at one time. They don't like me. There's a couple of us. I'm glad there's at least a couple of us, or some of us are just afraid to admit it. All of us at time have had somebody who doesn't like them, somebody who's against you. And we tend to think, well, I'm against that person because they're against me, but our battle's not against people. Ephesians, Paul says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Paul's like, listen, your battle is not against people. They are not your enemies. Now, they can be victims of the enemy, but they're not your enemy. You want to know who our real enemies are in this world? We have three of them. 
And all of us have the same three enemies that we walk with and we wake up to every single day. We have the world, we have the flesh, and we have the devil. All three of those. In 1 John it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him for all that is in the world. The desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with his desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And so you see right there in 1 John, we have two, two enemies right there, the world and the flesh. And then in 1 Peter 5a, it says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, that's the enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour. Someone who wants to devour you, I'd say they are your, your enemy. They're against you. I want to help you understand these enemies and what they're, they're really like this morning. I need three volunteers. Nothing really hard. Three volunteers. One, come on up, come on up. I need a second volunteer. I, need, I, I can't continue unless I get three volunteers. There's two, thank you. I need one more. One more. Who else is going to be the third volunteer? I just have to pick on you. Oh, come on up. There you go. Okay, if you all would just step back a little bit. Just step back right about there. There you go. All right, right back there. All right. To help you understand this, I brought a few things with me. This is the rope, and the rope represents the world. Okay? Why, we say, why would this represent the world? Because the world's always trying to rope us into something. The world's trying to put enticing things before us that we say, well, I want to chase after. I want to go after that. And so the rope represents the world. And so I'll let you be the world. All right? A chain. What do you all think this one should represent? What would you say? Satan. Most people would say Satan. This here represents the flesh. The flesh represents the flesh because the flesh wants to keep you in bondage. This flesh wants to tangle you up, tie you down, and bind you up. I I got it tangled up here and have a mess before we even started into the live illustration. Let's see here, okay? So, come on, untangle. And it's gray, because the flesh tends to live in gray areas. Nothing's black and nothing's white. Just do how you want to do. Green for the world, and that's why I have the color green up there, is because the world's always telling us, go for it. Do what you want to do. It's like a green light. You have the green light. Just move on forward. And this chain, I'm going to give it to her. All right, you get, you get to be the chain. All right? <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. Stephen knows what's next. Lastly is a string, and a string represents the devil. Why would a string represent the devil? Because the devil is always trying to string us along. The devil's crafty and sly. We would think he, oh, he's big and bad like a chain, right? But he wants to string us up, kind of like flying a kite. When you have a kite tied to a string, who's in control when that thing's in the air? If you're good with your kite, you're in control. You can move that kite where you want to go. You decide how far out it goes, decides how close you go. Some people have no idea that the devil's pulling all the strings in your life. Some of you have no clue. Let me show you 
maybe how this might work in your life. I know kind of how it works in my life. I'm going to ask if you go surround over that bed, okay? Uh, one on this side over there, then one behind it, and then one right here on this side right here. Now, can you move, move the rope? The rope's active, right? The world's active, always going. Can you move the chain? Chain's always functioning. And can you move the, okay, so the string's always functioning. Here's how this kind of works in my world. Okay, stop for a second. Don't get too excited. All right? In my house, I said I wasn't going to do this, but I think I am. Oh, just take a good old nap. In my house, my feet are too long. In my house, I wake up in the morning I go to bed going, tomorrow I'm going to honor God. And I wake up in the morning. You know what happens first thing first? The flesh goes into work. Stay in bed, Brian. You don't want to get out yet. Why read your Bible? You don't need to read your Bible. you got 10 more minutes. Snooze. Because the flesh is starting to work and become very active. And then I wake up a little few minutes later. Well, you haven't read your Bible. You haven't prayed yet. And I turn on the TV because the world's saying, hey, kick on that television. You don't need to read your Bible. Forget that. And so the world becomes very active. And at the same time, the flesh is active. But then Satan starts working as you're watching television because inevitably you're flipping channels and you start seeing stuff maybe you shouldn't see. And you're like, how do I flip on by that? Or do I stop and engage in that? And so what happens is the world and the flesh and Satan, they're all working on you before you even get out of bed. What do I want to do? I want to get up. I want to pray. I want to read my Bible. I want to worship with the Lord, listen to some worship music, turn on some great sermons. But no, these three things get very active in my life. Does anybody else have that problem? And they start to function. They start to try to destroy. Now, let's move on over here around the car. How do you like my nice, fancy car? I wanted to put like a real car in the stage. I couldn't do that. I don't think my foot would fit in that thing. But what happens is then you go and you say, I'm going to go to work. And maybe before you left the house, you kind of got your mind turned around and, or maybe you had a really good day and you got out of bed and you fall off all those things and you worship the Lord. You say, I'm going to go to work. And you start driving down the road and you go, man, I know that speed limit says 35, but I got to get to work and you're going 45. Why? Because the world says, it's okay, go ahead, ignore all the laws of the land. It doesn't matter. You can do what you want to do, right? And then the flesh for me, my temptation, is my wife in here? Oh, she's back here. <laughs> the flesh for me lately has been McDonald's. Brian, go get that, cheese, that egg and cheese sandwich on a soft hamburger bun. Go get that. No, I don't need that. No, the flesh says, no, that tastes really good. No, go get it. And then you drive by someone who's going really slow or they're riding your tail or they're not taking off at the green light and you're blowing their horn and Satan says, go ahead and what? Satan's moving and he's working. Go ahead, you can cuss at him. Go ahead, give him the finger. Go ahead, you can do all that. It doesn't matter. You all know this is true. You know it's true because the world and the flesh and Satan, the evil one, they're at work all the time. They're trying to get you to go in directions you don't want to go. You're like, I want to honor God in my life. And all these things are going on. And, and I know that's my struggle. I know it's your struggle. I'm just willing to be really honest with you all. Don't you guys like having a preacher that's honest? Yes, my, my mother-in-law, we know you. <laughs> Let's move over here around this station. 
So you make it through and you get to work and maybe you turned on the K-Love or you turned on some worship music and you made it through and you got my mind straight and you're fighting off them and then you get to work. And you're like, okay, I've got a full day today and I'm going to work. And you turn on your computer. And what does the world say? Oh, I don't have to work just yet. i got some Amazon shopping to do. I can do that. That doesn't matter that I'm working on my employer's dime right now. It's just going to take me 10 minutes and 30 minutes and 45 minutes because the world says it's okay. It's all right. Then the flesh, you're at the computer, and the flesh, all of a sudden, there's, you're watching a YouTube video because the world took you to the YouTube video, and there pops up all these other little videos along the side, and you're like, oh, that looks real intriguing. Oh, she's not dressed really well. Should I click on that? No, I shouldn't click on that. The flesh is saying, go for it. And Satan all along is trying to string you along. Like, go ahead, go ahead, click on it. I dare you click on it. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Before long, he strings you along into maybe an addiction or a problem that you go, I never planned that in my life. Who's first in your life? In a me-first world, we say, yeah, I'd go ahead and do some shopping. That's okay. And in me, first world, yeah, I'll just jump around on some YouTube videos. It doesn't matter. My boss doesn't know. Oh, yeah, I can check out some stuff that's improper. Does it really matter to Does it really hurt? Here's what we can do, though. God gives us the ability to fight these three evils, enemies, off. Go ahead and step back to the middle for a moment. We have the ability to fight off the enemies. Because of what? Because of the cross. Because of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. By giving us Jesus. By giving us, then Jesus ascending to heaven, as Brianna talked about and we sang about, to give us the Holy Spirit, this great helper, this great teacher in our life, this great counselor, as John 14 tells us, to walk in our lives so that when I'm in the bed and I wake up and the world's saying, yeah, go on TV. You say, no, I'm not turning on TV. I'm going to spend some time with God. Or when you're getting up in the morning and Satan is tipped and you're like, no, I'm not listening to you. I'm going to turn on some worship music and I'm going to worship. And so we can fight off these three things. But in the book of Acts, as we talked about last week, I want you to just look at this real quick. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, look what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. He says, listen, you want to fight off the world? Be a person who gets in the Word and do it with other people. You see that in Acts 2? He's like, they didn't do it by themselves. They met together in homes. They met together in a temple. They met together uh, and they shared by being around the Word of God. He says, listen, you want to fight off the flesh? Well, you get with some other people and you pray together and you worship together and, and you memorize Scripture together and you share needs together and meet each bad idea. And you meet each other's needs. 
That's what the scripture tells us. And then ultimately, listen, when you do that, you fight off the evil one because there's a togetherness that's happening in Acts chapter 2. The early Christians come about and says, listen, if you want to honor God, you want to honor Christ in your life, and you want to fight off the enemies, then you have some tools before you to do that. It's called the church. It's called Bible study. It's called worship together. It's called prayer. Would you thank these folks for helping me out? Thank you. A lot of people will tell you Jesus is at first in their lives, but they live in a me-first world. And when they do, the devil's pulling the strings. Sometimes we don't even realize it. The world is, is roping you in, roping us into all kinds of things that don't, don't honor God. And the flesh is enslaving us on a daily basis, pulling us into things that don't honor God in order to live in a... God honoring Jesus first world, we need each other. We need the church. We need one another. We need to be able to gather. That's why next week you'll see our, our groups that will start coming out to say, yeah, I know it's in COVID situation, but boy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a way to be part of a group, even though it may be online and be in Zoom or it might be in person because I know we have a couple that are doing it in person. We, we need to fight over what's going on, just saying, hey, just stay home, stay home, stay home, stay home. I understand some need to stay home for their own safety, but a lot are using it for excuse. I've had, I have conversations weekly right now, and I'll ask people, how long before you come back to in-person gatherings? I don't know. I've just gotten used to being at home. I've gotten used to kind of coming down, and I'll ask them further. So do you, like, totally plug in on that social media gathering? Well, kind of, you know, I've got some dishes I'm doing and some laundry I'm turning, and God wants to be first. I'm going to invite you just to a time of decision. I'm going to ask our prayer team members to stand up right now. A couple I know are back this way, Rex and Kelly. <coughs> John, I'm going to ask you as well, if you will. And uh, Jerry, will you two go back there by the back curtain, a couple of our elders? You know, we do this often and offer a time of prayer, and someone responds periodically. Offer an opportunity for you to talk about your walk with Jesus and what does that look like, and maybe even accept Jesus as your Savior. Many times we don't have somebody that moves. And I wonder sometimes if people come in here carrying burdens, they don't move because the world's saying, oh, you're going to look like a fool if you go walking back there. Or the flesh is saying, oh, someone's going to be wondering, why'd they go back there to get prayer? What's going on in their life? Oh, my goodness, it must be awful, terrible, because they went back there and got prayer. Or Satan's saying, why would you commit your life to Jesus Christ? You don't need Jesus. You don't need the church. You don't need salvation. Those are all the things that start going in our head when it's time to make a decision. I purposely had these people stand so you can see them back there. You run to the cross. And the way you run to the cross is sometimes you go to some other people and you say, I just need some help. Pray for me. You, you may be wrestling with something right now and going, man, he brought up some stuff that that's real in my life and I can see that rope and that chain and that string working in my life big time and I need to fight that off and I've been trying to do it so long by myself, I need to tell somebody else. I was involved uh, with a conversation just this week with somebody who said, I just need to spend some time in confession. 
They got done. They said, man, thank you. Then they emailed, thank you. And then they sent a text, thank you. Because we need one another. That's how we get stronger together, by confessing one to another. And so don't let Satan, don't let the world, don't let your flesh stop you. If you're here today and you're like, I need to do some business with God, but I can't just do it by myself. I need to get up and go trust somebody else. I need to let somebody pray with me. I need to share with somebody else what's going on in my life. I need to ask for some help. I, I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. I want to go talk to somebody what that looks like and what that means. Because the world and the flesh and the devil are at work in this room right now in us, even as we say, I want Jesus to be first. Here's my prayer for us this year, church. My prayer for you, I'm praying for this church. I'll pray for you individually, pray for you corporately. My prayer is that you will decide to put Jesus first in everything you do this year. Everything. You get up in the morning, Jesus, I want you to be first. It was hard this week because I've working on this. I've been working on this mess for a couple weeks. It's hard waking up in the morning when you know what you're going to be preaching about, and you're like, oh, my goodness, I need to get better at this. So I need to work on my life. When you go to work, Jesus first. You go to school, Jesus first. When you're driving somewhere, Jesus first. Whatever you're doing, when you're talking to your wife, Jesus first. When you're parenting your children, Jesus first. Everything you do, you go to the doctor, Jesus first. You're talking to a friend, Jesus first. You're sending a text message, Jesus first. Before I post on social media, please, Jesus first. Please. Goodness gracious, church. We know where our world is, and we are in a stinking mess. You know why? Because Jesus is not first. And we know where this country is. What happened at our Capitol building is nothing less than the problem that we have a whole lot of people that don't understand what it means to put Jesus first. Are we sad because a building got attacked or because Trump's behaving this way or because Democrats are doing this or Republicans? Yeah, we are. But what breaks my heart is we see a nation where Jesus is no longer first. And if we can't do it in church... How will this world ever know, hey, there's an example to follow? So we're going to sing. We're going to spend some time around communion. Have communion in your hands. I hope you picked it up. If not, there's some communion in the back. If you're online with us today and you're like, well, how can I move? I got, I'm feeling led to move. You could send a message. You could put a, a comment there. We'll follow up with a comment. If you know my number, you can text me, send me an email. You can use the Facebook there. Reach out. We'd like to help you on your journey with Jesus as well.